Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord. And others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template... With Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hey, I heard you need an inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Hey everyone, new episodes of Little Known Facts drop every Monday and you can find them on your favorite podcast provider. Also, if you go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com, you'll find behind-the-scenes photos, videos, and interviews, and lots more on the gallery page. And if you are loving these intimate, candid conversations with all the artists who come on the show, please head over to the contributions page. I depend on these donations to continue to bring you these interviews every week. So if you love the show, please donate. Little known fact about my guest today. When I asked this Tony Award-winning actress, how old were you when you realized that you had this incredible voice? She said, it's not so much I realized I had an incredible voice, but I had an incredible desire to sing. And that was when I was three years old. Welcome, Donna Murphy. A-OK. A-OK. Hey everyone, my guest today is the multi-Tony Award winning and Emmy winning actress Donna Murphy. Donna has starred in many, many Broadway plays. I will name a few. (laughs) They're playing our song, The Mystery of Edwin Drood, Passion, The King and I, Wonderful Town, The People in the Picture, and Hello, Dolly. Some of her film and television credits include No Pay Nudity, Ira and Abby, Higher Ground, Dark Horse, Tangled, The Nanny Diary, Star Trek, Insurrection, The Bourne Legacy, and Spider-Man 2. 
She has too many television roles to mention here, so go to IMDb when we are done. (laughs) But some of the highlights are Someone Had to Be Benny, Mercy Street, Quantico, and Doubt. She performed along with her Broadway royalty pals, Patti Lapone, Elaine Stritch, Audra McDonald, Marin Maisie, and Bernadette Peters in the PBS broadcast of the Emmy Award-winning Sondheim, The Birthday Concert. She is the eldest of seven children. I'm so happy to welcome Donna Murphy to the podcast. Hi, honey. You know, I have to say... Donna Murphy is busy, so the (laughs) idea that on this Friday afternoon, this lovely autumn Friday afternoon, she is here. One of the greatest joys is knowing that people you love are listening to the podcast, but the idea that when I invited Donna to come on and started to explain to her what the podcast was about, that she told me that she had been listening is a true joy. It's become kind of a little ritual of mine. This is a little-known fact. Um, well, when I discovered it, that you were doing this, and I think I just I discovered it by following you on, on Twitter. That's mm-hmm. how I found out about it. It's my huge social media following. <laughs> huge. I yes. Know. I say I, I tweet light, you know, right? <laughs> tweet social light. media light. So I started this, I guess it was the spring, and so I'd be getting ready for bed and taking off the layers of makeup and many, you know, lashes. The tape. And the tape. The, the tape. The wigs. That, you know, all of it. The... the <laughs> The, Liar. the assistance that we I think we all... you were washing your face with a little bit okay, of soap so I was and flossing. then going to bed. I'm yeah. flossing. <laughs> Tell my dentist. I will. I'm proud of you. And I would listen to one of your interviews. And I've, I'm trying to remember who was the first. You can't forget your first. You shouldn't you? forget your first. It might have been John Slattery because I've always had a little crush on John anyway. And he so. was literally the, the first. first. So I thought, let me go back to the very beginning. And... I loved it so much because it was just, it really felt like a conversation. And also, it was inspiring to me. And I, I you know, I had, I've had personal circumstances that have had me not working as frequently um, and also not having the time to hang out with my friends who are, who are colleagues as well and sharing experiences and stories and, you know, the craziness and, and, and the joys of it. And so this was like I was, you know, vicariously sitting. I was sitting with you. And the only downside is that sometimes like, oh, shit, I got to be up at 6 to get my kid to school. And right. I'm sorry about um, that. And so Darmy has been late Julia, for school Judith a lot. Judith Light is, isn't done yet. And I, <laughs> I'm not, not going to try to pick this up where I left off. So no. instead of going to my guided meditation, which I used to help me go to sleep these days, I just listened to the rest of Judith, who, as we were discussing earlier, She's she's guiding us all anyway. Totally, Judith. You, thank you, Judith. Thank you, Light. Judith, for helping me go, to, both for provoking me that night and helping me relax and accept myself. I think about that episode a lot as sort of one of the one of my favorite things that she said in that episode, which has really stayed with me. The gist of it is that work should be within the context of your life. And that for so many of us, artists in particular, who don't always get to decide when they work and when they don't work, but for all of us to think of the context is life. And then there are Mm -hmm. all these different things that we do within that context, and work is one of them. That's right. And it's been such a great reminder for me during the leaner times that everything is equal. Yes. And also, even I think when you are working and let's say you're having a difficult experience in some way in the course of the work sure. experience and you're grateful to be working, but reminding myself that 
it's so much bigger than this, whatever this thing is that's going on, this conflict, this difficult passage, this moment when you think, I'm not an actress. I don't know what I'm doing. I know I've been doing it for 35 years. Right, but at this but very moment, really, not so much. I, I think I've been, you know, faking people out for... So today's the day I get yeah. found out. And you know that sure. comes up for a lot of us um, for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and yet... God bless us you for know, sticking it out. We do. It's really hard. I mean, because, well, I love it. I still love it. and And I have periodically stepped away. For different reasons, sometimes circumstances in my personal life that have been about me have forced me to step away. Sometimes it's been about a member of my family. Sometimes it's been a need of my child. Um, And sometimes it's been stepping away for um, like a year. And sometimes it's been stepping away for like 15 seconds. Right. (laughs) And saying, I can't do it anymore. Oh, okay, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. Yes. I flossed. I I feel better. I listened listened to to Judith. Judith. Light. Exactly. (laughs) And John. And John Slattery. Um, Well, to go backwards for a second to more Mm -hmm. of the beginning, Mm -hmm. first of all, you are the eldest of seven. Mm -hmm. So you were part of an ensemble from a very early age. And so... My mom had her first five children within one five, day. And a, five and a half years. <laughs> I think I learned very early on that there was always going to be someone cuter and needier than me <laughs> in, in, in my home environment. And I did get a lot of positive attention for being so independent and so grown up. And, and I liked it. it. It came naturally to me. And it, it came naturally by circumstance. And I think... In some way, I came, you know, I just came into this existence somewhat of an old soul, a playful old soul who could be very immature at times. So but, there were um, five of you in in a the row. First, the first, the and first then, group. And then, and then two then came later. Her, you know, her, her Irish miracles, as she called them. So beautiful. You know, who are 10 and 12 years younger than me. And I always said to my mom, you know, they're my babies, too. And she was like, gladly. Take them. <laughs> she says, as a matter of fact. You are know, you leaving? You're off. Take those, those ones that are yours. Oh, I had like, I was five and I would be assigned, you know, the youngest child to take. And So where was this? I was born in Corona, Queens, uh, where my parents lived. And then we moved out to Hop Hog Long Island when I was maybe 13 months old. And I basically went up through the end of sixth grade out there. It was not very developed. We we did live in a development, you know, where there were quarter-acre plots, and I went to an incredible elementary school. Um, were your parents artistic? My mom sang. I mean, she just sang in a very sort of casual way, but always singing around the house. And she told us when she was a child, it was recognized that she had a pretty voice. And so she was actually raised primarily by her maternal grandparents because her parents had split up when she was three or four, and then her mom died when she was seven. So she was raised by Anna and Thomas in Corona primarily. And they entered her in these Parks Department talent contests. To this day, I know that she was second place singing Me and My Alice Blue Gown. You know, and she said, and I never got lessons. You know, I never had lessons. I just, I love to sing. And so, you know, I did that until I got shy about it. 
And she did a lot of things until she got shy about it. Mm. So it was singing. She was a when roller skater. When I just skater. heard you introduce your mom's voice to this yeah. moment, I am thinking of the character you played in The Nanny Diaries when you played Scarlett Johansson's yeah, mom. And I, you were channeling that. Yeah, your I mean, own my mom, mom when we moved up to Massachusetts because my dad was transferred. He was an aerospace engineer and so brought the brood up, now seven of us, and my great-grandmother who lived with us at this point and was declining mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my parents and we all cared for her. She had helped care for us. And Anyway, we moved up to Massachusetts and my mother, <laughs> I said she wore that war and emitted that New York accent like a badge of honor. She said, I don't talk funny. They say I talk funny. They talk funny. They say, they say, you know, I need a fuck and a knife. I mean, come on. That's that's crazy. That's that's obscene. I'm not obscene. She was no, not she obscene. Was not. But she still has that accent. That is incredible. And you have not that accent at all in your daily life. <laughs> kind of neutralized. So when did you recognize your voice and your gifts? Well, I recognize my desires very young. My mom says I was three when I asked for voice lessons. And I'm thinking, well, either hearing her sing, and maybe she even told me that, you know, she won a contest, which I don't know. I think that played a role in it. But I also think it was something that I was come here. I came here to do. Right. That I was come here to do. You have come here. Something... (laughs) I have come, you come here. here. I come here with mission <laughs> to do to do to do singing and dancing. And te- the other thing was that I loved, I loved making up stories, and I loved then acting those stories out. And so before I could write, I would create these stories and tell my sisters and brothers. And I had some older friends like and who a built-in audience. Six, my God, right? this is exactly. perfect. And so we would create these shows in the neighborhood. In fact, a friend of mine who was a producer, Tom Curtehy now, uh, who was an attorney for a long time, became a producer. But he lived across the street from me. And the Curtehys were five boys and two girls, and we were five girls and two boys. Perfect. And my mom was Jean and his mom was Joan. Tom, you're now a part of this. You hashtag, were part of- <laughs> hashtag Tom, Tom Curtehy. Perfect. But does we, he have a big social media following? I don't know. All right. Well, I'll leave it in if he does. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, we always had some. We created rides. You know, you would, we were entrepreneurs, like, but we also were wanting to just create. So there were there were everything from from shows that you know that were musicals and reviews and just straight plays to uh, beauty contests with talent competitions. I, he says he always won Miss Personality, and I won the talent competition. And we'd ride our bikes. We were the producers. We'd ride our bikes to get the prizes. You know, for for all the beauties who would win. Wait, ride your bikes to, uh, to what? To like Charles and Sons, which was like a. Non-franchised Woolworths oh, to, to get, get the prizes. Pri- the, the prizes. Yes, I got it. To, got it, got to it. award to people other than yes, ourselves. Because this was le- this was a legitimate contest. These yeah. were not offers yes. made that you yeah. did not bring forth. Oh the no, prizes. no, no, no. There were there was you were you good know, for it. There was there was candy. There were flowers. There were. I wish oh, no. we were doing I don't know that why right I'm talking now. About that. Well, this is the best thing ever. So my mother tells me I asked for voice lessons when I was three. She said I kept looking. Thank God she didn't find no. anybody. No, but she's a little young. But she did find an accordion teacher for me just as I was turning five. And oh, sorry, but the accordion might have been larger. Bit, well, in fact, so <laughs> and little Donna, and she takes me to this demo class, which was 
a group of adults at like a 6.30 class and a five-year-old, and I'm given like this huge accordion and somebody realized that this is not going to work. We could be sued, actually. There could be a lawsuit here. So I then was given like a little mini one, and I take the demo class, and I really like it, and I pick it up pretty quickly. And what I loved about the accordion is that I could play and sing, and I could take it anywhere. So I would put that accordion in a little red wagon that we had, and I would walk myself to school. I was not invited to do this. I just want to <laughs> clarify. And I would play the accordion as the other children would enter, <laughs> welcoming them. And I didn't have much of a repertoire. The only song I really remember playing was a German drinking song. Uh, like you do. When you're five, drink to me only with thine eyes, and I will drink to you. I think was was my greatest hit. So the accordion introduced me to keyboard, and years later, people said, "Oh, it's so great for your. That's why you phrase things so well Mm. because, you know, you you have to learn that with. I'm like, and if you you say so, breathe in and out, (laughs) right? Wow. I didn't take. I didn't really take voice lessons until I was in my 30s, which was. It's not what I would advise of other well, it <laughs> professionals in the business. Seems to have worked for you. Well, I. This is me. I I go all over the place. I'm you know the the tangent queen. Hashtag tangent tangent queen. queen. It's a good one. The other thing that happened, which again I I knew I was drawn to, to expressing in ways other than just talking to my sisters and brothers and saying let's play Monopoly. I wanted to dance. And the other thing that happened while we were out in Hop Hog was my mother found, like, the closest place because it was all about convenience when you've got five kids under under five under and a half five. years old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there was, like, a little – it was, like, the village hall. And there was the development, and we would walk to Veterans Memorial Highway. And just across the first lane of the highway was this little one-room hall. And they had different community – events there. And so there was a ballet class. There were class, some dance classes. And my mom signed me up when I was about three and a half or four. Again, she couldn't find that voice, that darn voice teacher. So There's a communication problem oh, yeah, right. with your mother. Joan or Jean? Jean. Jean. Tom's Jean. mom was Joan. That's right. Jean. Jean. So she enrolls me in this class and I thought, fantastic. I'm going to get to dance. And I remember... The rest of the children, it was like an after-school class. The rest of the children had leotards and ballet slippers, and I had, like, shorts and a T-shirt or a tank top and these little stretchy slippers that were, I remember they were green and black, kind of tweed with a black pom-pom on them. I took them off the minute I got into class. Right. And thought, you come to class to dance. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in somebody saying, these are the things you will do. And so I took a couple of classes and thought that I was just, you know, God's I got this. Gift. I got this. Exactly. I took three classes. And the teacher pulled my mom aside and said, you know, I think she's a little young. She understands what's being said to her, and she's clearly deciding not to do that. And just flying all over the room seems very content. Very happy, but it's not serving the rest of the children in the room. So I was expelled from that class. And that was really the end of my And then didn't take another class till you were 30. (laughs) Okay, but Donna, you are an extraordinary dancer. I love to dance, but I wasn't trained. And 
as I went through school, I still found any opportunity, and there were opportunities. I, I happened to be blessed with public schools that had great arts departments. That's amazing. Uh, out on Long Island, you know, I had a drama class in sixth grade, in sixth grade of middle school. I had a teacher who was remarkable, who thought so outside the box and so imbued us with a sense of if opportunity's not there, you create it. Mm. If if material's not there, you create it. And uh, it was amazing. And throughout elementary school as well, I'm still friends with these teachers. Um, they, they were my muses. Uh, I, I didn't live a sophisticated life. Did you come to the city to see theater? I never saw a Broadway show until my listen? junior year in high school. Like on a school trip, on a, uh, with the Thespian Society. So cast of albums were not cast albums. They were, were there. They were also. Happening. So there was a Broadway were, influence. Yes, and and I remember, but my parents again were so busy. Um, really? How come? You know, <laughs> working for NASA I'm, and having seven children. Yeah, I remember one Broadway playbill. Now I'm sure there were more, but mm-hmm. the one that I remember was Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet in Golden Rainbow. If you're only going to have one. <laughs> and I opened up that playbill and I said, oh, my God, there's a kid in this show. And it was some kid named Scott Jacoby. And I said, why aren't you letting me audition for Broadway? What's going on here? That's hilarious. And were, it was just funny, my my mentality. I was I was fearless. I, I was very ambitious. But it wasn't that I wanted to be a star. It was that I wanted to do it. I want any opportunity to... To sing, to dance, to tell a story, to read poetry, to interpret poetry, all of that. I mean, in addition, I loved school, so I loved learning. I was curious about science and, and history, and I loved to write. So I was, I was lucky that there were lots of forms of expression that, that I was attracted to and also and, and, and learning and taking in information. So that informed everything. I was one of those kids that Things seemed to come pretty easily to me until I hit a certain point, which was around ninth grade, tenth grade, and I was in all these honors classes, and I was like, "Oh, this stuff. your this, honor, like your honor, <laughs> opt out, opt May out." May I step down? <laughs> yeah. Next witness. I would have had to work my ass off to really keep up with the kids who were truly gifted in calculus, and I—that's not where my where I wanted to put my time. I was also, I had so many extracurricular things going that were about the arts and expression, and I was on the speech team, and um, and I worked part-time. What was your household like? Can you paint a little picture? It was chaos. It's interesting because every one of us played an instrument. I don't know how my mom managed to do that, ex- except that the public schools did offer those opportunities, right. you know, so that was the introduction. And then if if one of her kids really seemed to uh, take to ma- it, take to it and maintain an interest and say, I want more, you know, she would really try to find that uh, additional training outside, not the boys teacher, but <laughs> no, that, that you can do when you're 30. Still working on when that. When you're 30, falcon knife. <laughs> Not vulgar. Oh, my God. Can um, we please have her come on? Because I just need she, her here. She would totally love okay. it. Okay. She'd totally love it. Don't tease me. Uh, I need no. Jean oh, no. here. Jean, Jean. Oh, my God, Jean. So um, so it was... Uh, so everybody played an instrument. Everybody 
was in chorus, you know, in elementary school. So there was a love of music. I think. Were you all taking care of each other? Were you helping? Yeah. Like I mean, Dominic, was... my husband, is one of ten. Oh, okay. So, you know, so we'll you just... be sitting with our kids, helping them with homework. He's like, I don't think my parents ever did that. Never. He's like, maybe one of my brothers would help me. He's like, I don't, I don't even know how right. any of that happened without parental guidance. And at our house, nothing happens without parental guidance. Right. Through, you know, it's have so you done different. it yet? Are you up? Are you, dre- you know? Right. So I'm assuming it was similar. Yeah. I mean, I was up before anybody else in the house. And I, in kindergarten, you know, after the first few days, well, I walked Well, you brought the accordion. School. You know, I, I had a gig. <laughs> you had to get there early. <laughs> I had a gig. You had to be there when the janitor <laughs> opened up and get ready at the top of the steps. <laughs> um, and it's interesting because as I think of my the people that my fantastic brothers and sisters all developed into each of our paths were all so different and i remember my my late husband Sean Elliot uh when he met my family he said you know i i just got to give your parents credit because he he recognized he said they brought up individuals wow each you you have you have you know the the things that you have in common. And, and as we get older, I think we actually recognize more the things that we have in common and sort of, I don't know, principles and things that we respect in our lives and in others' lives and, and recognize as important and prioritous. But growing up, you know, everybody was trying to find their own identity. My brother, who was a year younger than me, who was a musician, I remember us writing music together. But then, like, music was not a part of his life in terms of performing. He loved it, and he probably, you know, had a much more prolific knowledge of certain areas of music, certainly the rock world, than I did growing up. But I was taking up a lot of space in that, oh, she's a performer, and she's she does this, and she does that, and he kind of went in another direction. Mm-hmm. You know, but who has like a little recording studio in his house? And in addition to being an incredibly successful businessman and he does. and introduced music to his kids and he has a son who's like an off the charts jazz musician who's studying in Boston. Right. You know, it's it's just interesting and I had but you were asked earlier, did you all do you know, musicals? Did you all sing? Did you all when I was in junior high and high school and I was a part of this this uh, summer th- youth theater group, which was incredible, the Pebblestone Players up in Massachusetts. And every summer we would do one or two shows. And initially I just was doing props and they would stuff my bra and my shoes so that I could appear to be an adult <laughs> in like a cocktail <laughs> party scene in that's, Woody Allen's Don't Drink the Water. That's what I have going on right now. So I appear to be an adult. It's, it's, I've stuffed it's my very bra. convincing. <laughs> You're pulling it off totally. Thank you. Thank you, darling. How am I doing? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. But um, the Pebblestone players players knew what they were doing. Again, I I have so many friends from that time still. And and then in junior high and high school, we did play in the fall, musical in the spring. And often they Can we just go back? Was your bra stuffed so that when you moved the props on the stage, it didn't look like a child was (laughs) working in the theater? No, so I was doing props, but then like the... They also wanted to satisfy my my desire to be on stage so I was like we were doing Woody Allen's don't drink the water of course and um I was in I was allowed to be in the cocktail party scene but you know I was like seven four foot (laughs) eleven you know I didn't have a growth spurt until I was like 15 or 16 and 
didn't need a bra. Got so it. They had to put no, me I in understand some cocktail now. Dress I totally get it now. I just was trying to understand. I got it. Okay. So you sorry. could be in the show so and look be appropriately grown up enough to and be in the show. And then I do my get my cue prepared for my props gig. Um, and the accordion. And the now the accordion. So did the in accordion second go grade? Away? Well, never entirely. It it kind of it it. Came what if back. you took it, it out right now? Back. Hang on, Alana. I want. <laughs> Just a minute. Let I me get my it. red wagon. It's outside the door. <laughs> no. In second grade, there was a string program that was, you know, introduced and, and made available to, you know, these the seven, seven-year-old kids. kids at Forest Brook Elementary School in Hopog. And so I started playing violin. By fourth grade, I had written a piece of music that the orchestra played. I mean, it was unbelievable. The This was not a school for gifted kids. It was not you know, um, special music school. Sure. These were opportunities for everybody that and anybody. That makes me so sad that that is not true for everyone everywhere. I know. All the time. But and how remarkable for you. That encouragement. And I remember I, I had my report card at the end of second grade. She's also now taking her report card out of her purse. <laughs> I am. I have no props with me. My long-term memory is phenomenal. Yes, but what day is it? Exactly. Keep going. Friday. <laughs> Yeah, but I said it was Friday earlier. All right. Oh, I knew it, though. No, no, I, I know. You're doing great. You're doing great. <laughs> Judith Light didn't know what day it was. <laughs> Thank you, Judith. <laughs> See, but now I forgot what we were talking no, about. Your second grade report. I know exactly. Yeah, so end of, my mother framed this for a short period of time because the closing statement was, Donna has informed me that she would like to be a singer and a brain surgeon when she grows up. And you did it. I mentioned this to my daughter the other day, and she goes, I totally don't see you as a brain surgeon, Mom. I can't even imagine it. And I said, well, I was interested in how the brain worked. She goes, oh, so, like, you would be able to figure out, like, how I think about things and how... I said, well, you know, there's many ways of exploring the brain. And I said, I guess in a way, I do think in my work about how people think and how people process things and but I would hardly call it brain surgery <laughs> but I did you know I I, I thought but I'd I like to show anything. you this stint I did on as the world turns where I play brain surgeon <laughs> yeah. I know we start to think we are these things until we realize no that was an episode of <laughs> law and order SVU what I love though about acting is that the opportunity to explore the world the work the time of somebody other than myself is well that's that's just heaven for me and it's it's why i i never really am interested in doing the same thing twice because i feel like i've played that person mm-hmm. or i've gotten to know that person and we're look at you and i are actresses but we're two completely different people so i i, I don't mean to say that you know it's that black and white but i love the opportunity to continue to get to know uh, different societies, what it's like to grow up in a, in a, in a certain culture, in a different time, um, with a different type of mother than I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about all of the teachers and all of the opportunities and and all the ways in which, from a very young age, outside your home, you were provided with all of this mentorship and yes, access. And encouragement. And encouragement, combined mm-hmm. with your curiosity for all of it and mm-hmm. your desire to tell stories. I know you went to NYU. And so when mm-hmm. you decided to go to college, were you 
a dance major, a drama major. <laughs> You've got to get this brain dancing surgery. out of your head. Okay. Did you watch Center Stage recently? Is that why? No. no. Why? Is that when, when you did the, what did you do on I, the Tonys, the big dance number in your... Was it Wonderful Town? Wonderful swing. Town. So it was like a crazy, swing. quirky... So Swing is an extraordinary dance number. So here's the thing. Don't tell my me it's very... not, Donna. Don't tell no. me it's not. No, I'm not. I'm not. So my first audition, my first job, my first job, professional job, was as a swing, no pun intended. Got it. A swing performer, you know, covering the, th- there were three women in the ensemble of their playing our song. So those three tracks were yours to right. cover. So I'm a sophomore at NYU. I mean, when I was thinking I wanted to go to college, I always knew I wanted to try to be an actress. And I was very pragmatic. I said, I I want to study. And then I'm going to give myself five years. And if I'm not making a living as an actress or a singer or some combination of both. But not a dancer. um, Dancer was not really in the mix in my head. Alana, no. (laughs) Give it up. Okay. Um, Then I'll, I'll, I'll look for something else to do. I'll find something else. And... Originally, I thought, well, I should go to a musical theater program because I want to be able to do it all. And I applied. At that time, there were maybe two. And Carnegie Mellon was the place to apply to. This were there singers? Because your voice is extraordinary and you were saying, and you can reach incredibly high notes and powerful notes. Range. You have, have a, a huge range. range. You said you didn't take formal voice lessons until later. But I sang all the time. A lot of people that I've talked to who Mm -hmm. sing were like, you know what? Like Andrew Reynolds, he's like, this is going to sound really hilarious, but I would listen to Christine Ebersole sing Mm. and copy her and then somehow... That translated into my being able to do Jersey Boys. He's like, it's so random. Wow. The people that you listen to, in that case, not even, you know, the same gender. Right. Were there people that you would hear sing and mimic and be like, oh, I can do that? Okay, so I don't think I consciously was imitating anybody, but of course or I was imitating by. everybody. Sure, sure. So I, I, who did I listen to? Well, you know, we had a lot of cast recordings, so... And and it was a time, you know, where there were a lot of movie musicals. Right. So I saw everything. I saw, of course, Julie Andrews was a major influence. You wouldn't think that from a lot of my vocal performances, but, uh, you know, on but stage. But early on, what you love to listen to. But I to love and, to listen yeah. to Julie Andrews. And I was, I, was, I was a soprano. I mean, I was classified as a soprano, you know, from the time I was singing in choruses in school. And I had you'd stand on that side of the yeah, right, of the bleachers right, right. with the other sopranos, yeah. yeah. And I didn't really know much about my lower range because I was a little girl. And then when I was singing in ensembles, I was singing higher stuff, and and maybe I sang, you know, along with Julie Andrews more than I sang until, you know, until other people came on my radar, pop singers. And yes, I was slightly obsessed with Barbara Streisand. But I did not want to, I remember consciously saying, I never want to sound like I'm imitating her because I could never be her. I could, Mm -hmm. I'll never be that good. I'll never, but it influenced me because it was so distinctive. And then I remember I was dating a guy in high school who said, I know you love Streisand. And I had just bought Streisand's classical album. And he was like, "Um, do you listen to any classical music? And I'm like, yeah, I do. I do. And he said, uh, okay, because, you know, you should also listen to people who that's what they really do, too. And he introduced me to Collis. And he said, but there's somebody who I think you would really dig. And he introduced me to Cleo Lane. And that blew my mind, that instrument. And I realized, oh, my God, 
I've got a range. Yeah, it's not quite. Go. It's not quite Cleo's range. Range, excuse me. But I realized she used her voice so creatively, and she used it like truly like many musical instruments. And she was, you know, she was a jazz singer, or she became a jazz singer. So. That became a curiosity. It wasn't something I was actively doing. I sang with a rock in, in high school. I sang with the chorus, and then I sang with an, an a cappella chorale group, which did a lot of magical work. and And then I was like the student conductor of the chorus, and and then I sang with a rock ensemble, which was rock music, sort of pop rock music, not hard rock. But that was all part of the music curriculum. Right. You know, you could audition and become a part of that. And then you're um, finding. That you can sing all yeah, these different Yeah, I was discovering things. all these different styles. And then, like, I remember some people who were alumni of my high school who were going to Berklee School of Music as composer, uh, as composing majors, uh, composition majors, rather. They would come back and have asked me to sing some of their music. So I was singing this stuff that was, I was the first person to sing it. So I, I didn't have, like, an idea of the way it sounded when someone, it wasn't a cover. I was introducing something. You were creating it, so yeah. So that was, that was amazing. I think of these things which are not, you know, the necessarily the traditional paths to to becoming a successful what, a, performer. Yeah, you know, uh, like, for instance, I was also on the speech team. Okay, so I found that what I loved to do was dramatic and humorous interp, which is you would take a play and you would make like a 10-minute cutting which means you would maybe take one scene or two scenes and piece them together with some narration to give an idea of what's happening and then you would play the different characters so of course I was like the bad Meryl Streep every year I I had to do some accents so you know I did Little Moon of Alban which was an Irish play and I did uh, Hat Full of Rain which was you know New York kitchen sink drama um, Michael, beautiful Michael Gazzo play um, I did Death of Bessie Smith I'm trying to remember these crazy choices I, that I made but I learned so much about the distinction and, and characteristics of and needing to be very very specific in distinguishing these characters and I was fortunate enough to to do well and to go to nationals several years in a row. And I saw people from all over the country, and I went, wow, look at all this talent. It was slightly intimidating mm-hmm. because I was, you know, somewhat of a big fish in a small pond that got roles. Not right away, you know, in freshman I was in the chorus of Fiddler and, you know, started to get, you know, parts as we moved up because there was sort of a hierarchy in regard to seniority yeah, at, yeah, yeah. in school. But in traveling and going to these national competitions and seeing kids from all kinds of communities and all kinds of schools and backgrounds and seeing what they chose to do and how they, uh, the, the talent, the raw talent. And I knew, I told my mom I wanted to be a singer or an actress when I was, as I said, three, four, five years old. It never stopped. I knew it all through school. And when it was time to go to school, I think my parents were hoping that because I, I remember my dad saying, but you're smart. You don't have to do this. And I was like, Dad, I'll get to use everything I am. And I was, fortunately, you know, years before he passed, he kind of got it. And it meant a great... And got to see you. Yeah. I mean, he'd, he'd been seeing me, but I, I got, it was so important to me that he understood that I was using everything that God gave me to, or, or trying to, 
you know, when I was allowed to work or even even in an audition process. Early on when it was not working so much but auditioning a lot, that was my chance to work. So when you talked you know? about while you were at NYU auditioning for their playing our song, right? So that was, was while you were still in school? Well, I was breaking the rules because okay. at NYU you were I was in undergrad drama. Are you allowed to say that out loud now? Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's and tell that, everyone. Fact, they've asked me to come down and talk to kids who are students there, or young people who are students. And I've said, should okay. I tell the truth? Yeah, you know, the truth, because while I had said earlier that you know I audition, I, I auditioned for Carnegie Mellon for the musical theater department. I did not get in. I was waitlisted, but I got a full scholarship to their drama department. But my back went up, and I was like, oh no, if you don't want me in the musical theater department, it's not meant for me to be here, because my second choice was NYU to study with Stella Adler in the undergrad drama department, and that was and that an option. And that happened. Great. But the you know philosophy there was you're here to develop technique, not to, like, throw out your bag of tricks that you developed, that it's assumed Along that you, way. you know, had as a kid. So they didn't want you performing. Even at school, you did not do any productions until your junior year. But I was, I was a junkie to just stand on a stage and, and sing, even if there was one person out there, or or do a monologue. And when I discovered Backstage, mm-hmm. that newspaper, ancient, I don't even know, does it still exist? It does, it but does. it's an online, it's online thing right? now. Yeah. So I I went to my first... Pictures are in color now, by the way. The headshots are, you need to get Thanks a color headshot. Thanks for letting headshot. me know that, because I haven't had headshots <laughs> done in so I just colored mine in. <laughs> I was like, actually, I woke up. I'm like, this is what like I look like. By the way, I'm right <laughs> here. A little tan. Give just a little, you're a little tan now. Laura Mercier tinted moisturizer. <laughs> I use it too. I love, I love it. it. I love it. Okay, Laura, should, if you're okay, listening, send some products over. Exactly. Um, so uh, I went to like I found backstage. I went, oh, I could go to an open call for a musical. Like before I start classes. <laughs> <laughs> With sunglasses and a hat and a raincoat and please, your classmates saw you. I went like to an open call for hair. And I knew I wasn't going to be singing while I was stu- because I was studying to be a serious actress. That was the program. There was no singing involved. So I would get my singing in at open calls for musicals, which I would just go sign in and either get typed in or typed out. And I also kind of moonlit in the theater ed department where I first met John Patrick Shanley, who was there. <laughs> and I would I did a couple of musicals there, but I wasn't supposed to be doing any of these things. And I will say, here's the deal. A lot of what I was being taught, I took copious notes, thank God, because Stella intimidated the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. She spoke about the work as if it was religion. And there was there was art and there was excuse me, but shit. And you were either going to be an artist or you were going to, you might make a living, but it wasn't going to be contributing something that was worthwhile to the world. And I was a little turned off by that. I was intimidated and I also thought, you know, I come from a family where, I mean, my dad was an aerospace engineer, but he was laid off while I was, when I was a freshman in high school. And we were struggling financially. I was on scholarship and financial aid and work study and working gig, you know, working at Playing the, the accordion and when you weren't a hat chick. <laughs> yeah. I did sing in Washington Square Park for money. No, but um, this idea that it's know, it's to feel shame for wanting to earn a living right. and it was confu- not fair. But it was very confusing to me because I also, I wanted to be an artist. So I took, I wrote it all down. I wrote it all down and it made different pieces of it, including the technique that she was teaching and my other teachers were teaching made sense at different points in my life. 
And I'm incredibly grateful that I did study with her because it did instill me with a sense of the responsibility of being an artist. And I already had the responsibility of knowing that I was going to have to earn my way. Nobody was going to do that for me. I didn't expect it. I didn't, you know, my spending money at school was earned. That was just the way it had to be. And I didn't feel bad about it. It just was, those were my circumstances. And so it was good training for the balance that I was going to have to manage for the rest of my life. And I'm trying to do now, you know, now as a single mom, trying to figure out how do you do this? Mm -hmm. How do you find the time to do the work in the way that I used to? I mean, I would prepare in ways that... (laughs) I remember when I was auditioning for Passion. Which worked out, by the way. Which worked out. Good job on that. (laughs) Fosca, thumbs up. (laughs) So I was doing a workshop of a beautiful piece that Michael John LaCusa wrote called Hello Again. And we were in, I think, the second stage of workshopping it. And I got a call from my agent that I had an audition the next day for a new musical that Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine, who I worshipped, I mean, completely worshipped, both of them. And had not yet worked with. And had not yet. I had auditioned for both of them many times, and I have many stories, but that would be like seven episodes. I'm in. Loving you is not a choice. It's who I Loving you is not a choice And not much reason to rejoice But it gives me purpose, gives me voice To say to the world This is why I live You Okay, we don't have seven episodes together, but we are going to have two because we are almost 50 minutes in and we're just getting started with how she got Fosca and the beginning of her relationship with Sondheim and all of the other amazing roles that came after. So you're going to have to come back next week to hear all about Fosca and passion and more with Donna Murphy. Is she not incredible? Could you not listen to her all day long? Anyway, I am so thrilled to have had this time with her and so thrilled to share more of her with you next week. So, see you then. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So, there you go. These are little known facts that now you know. 
you want more information about my guests, go to the website, littleknownfactspodcast.com. I also wanted to tell you that there is now a new addition to the website. It is a button that says Contributions. This podcast is a true labor of love, and I really, really want to keep doing it for a long time. So if you like listening as much as I love to do it, please feel free to contribute. It would mean the world to me. Also, on Twitter, you can find me at Alana Levine. Instagram is Little Known Facts Podcast. And on Facebook, Little Known Facts Podcast. You can also feel free to rate and review the show on the iTunes show page. This podcast is recorded at Hangar Studios in New York City. This episode was brought to you by Pro Media. Located in Times Square, Pro Media offers both production and post production services out of its beautiful studios in the heart of New York City. Pro Media Sound Vision. Find out more at promedia.nyc. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.